and welcome to Becoming Less, an Edmontonian journey to less waste, less impact, less consumption, and less clutter. Becoming Less is brought to you by Waste Free Edmonton, and together we are dedicated to waste reduction efforts here in Edmonton, Alberta. In this episode, I chat with Karina, who had an eco-friendly themed retail business, and we talk about why it was so hard for her to get it off the ground. I met Karina at the gym, where we clicked when we discovered our mutual passion for the environment. Hi, Karina. Thanks so much for chatting with me today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Glad you'd be here. So, you used to own a green retail business, Greenaholic, right? Yeah. Um, I guess I would call it more of an online presence that retailed goods that were, you know, eco-friendly, sustainable, and otherwise inspirational. There wasn't actually a storefront, but that was part of the future project. But I did have a vendor booth at a few farmer's markets as well. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the business uh, a little more? Yeah. Well, I was really inspired, honestly, by um, this other this book that I had read. And it was um, just the whole concept was just living an eco-friendly life. And I just wanted to share as much as possible data about you know, how to live that way. I felt like there's a lot of information out there, but um, I felt like we really needed to come together as a community and share tips, tricks, um, you know, advice on what to buy, what not to buy. And I also wanted to implement um, the use of technology. So using apps to, you know, scan barcodes for ingredient lists, stuff like that. And also, I guess, retail items but that was kind of not the main focus the main focus really was to unite people and i wasn't sure if it was going to be locally or globally honestly i wasn't sure what was going to happen i just kind of let it go just trying to make it organic yeah yeah and it wasn't even called greenaholic when i first started this was back in uh 2010 when facebook was you know really hot for facebook pages and that's what I started with, just making a Facebook page. So where did the name Greenaholic come from? Well, I had to change it because the original name I chose was Eco Fusion. For some reason, I had this thing with fusion. <laughs> the word, <laughs> it kind of blends together. Um, even my gamer tag from back in the day when I played video games was Fusion Butterfly. But Eco Fusion was the original concept. But then I created the Facebook page, and they got a, a letter to cease and desist. Oh, okay. Yeah. So someone so already I, had the name. Yeah, but that told me that I was already making an impact. All I had done was simply created a Facebook page and posted some, you know, reshareable pictures of how to grow food in your garden, how to organize your fridge, and how to reuse sandwich bags, stuff like that, really small, just uh, memes. But... I was using hashtags, and I don't think people understand how to use tags properly to get themselves in an algorithm. So it, it takes practice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It seems pretty straightforward, but it there's there's a trick to it. Yeah, I honestly everything I've learned from social e-commerce has been experimenting. And Greenaholic, originally EcoFusion, was one of my first experiments, and. Yeah, it, it grew to the point that it has still 800 followers on there. And that was not paid for. I didn't pay for any, you know, um, boosted advertisements. But yeah, so EcoFusion had to become 
Greenaholic because another entity in, I think it was Washington, they were called, calling themselves EcoFusion. <laughs> and honestly, it wasn't the same thing that I was doing. I believe they were dealing with biofuel without any hesitation. I had to go back to the drawing board and I wanted something trendy, something green. I thought that's why I chose Greenaholic. So was your main goal to make money or? Yeah, um, not really. I, I think my main goal was to become a source of information. There were a lot of other inspiring websites that I was trying to follow their whole concept of you can go to this website, there's a directory, you can look up all your tips, you can look up grocery lists, you can compare um, products to see which is more sustainable for the environment. I just wanted to be that sort of directory and its source but i quickly realized that it was a good concept but if i really wanted it to grow larger i'd have to definitely invest to make sure that i could be seen or, or my audience would see me because there's an audience out there that wants to you know be a part of this green community and learn how to recycle you know you'd be surprised when people ask me you know can i recycle this like we're not aware of how to live a sustainable life so that was the main goal besides retailing items that became a way to make money to fund the project that's the way i started to think oh, okay. that there's well i can't just pull out a pocket because i was also going to school and you know starving student you can pay for all these advertisements and you know boost but it was kind of fun to maybe try to get revenue from retailing items that went along with the concept anyway Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you don't have the shop anymore, right? No, I like I didn't know what was going to happen with it. It grew organically by itself. But I had a lot of other things going on too. As much as I'm passionate about sharing the information, I just decided to not make it a priority focus. And uh, it's kind of dormant right now. <laughs> so what made you just like, what was the deciding factor for? Well, a lot of it too was I didn't want to say I was in competition with lots of other wonderful, fabulous um, sources of information. You know, everyone's using Pinterest to create their own boards. And sometimes you put so much work into content. And then, unfortunately, if you don't invest into boosting it, no one's really going to see it. And I know it sounds kind of um, sad, but at the same time, I was also happy that if people could get the information that they needed. But one or the other thing that really kind of made me deter from the project was a lot of the competition for example for viewing they would use greenwashing so they would use you know live a green life um what does that mean you know there's not really much definition right. included with that but using buzzwords like green eco-friendly just even perhaps in the wrong sense but also paying for boosted views so your content would have to compete with fake content Greenwashing is everywhere and it makes yeah. it really hard to know what is actually a good option. Yes. Again, I was researching how to fund the project. So I was looking at products that I could purchase and without having too much out of pocket, that's the problem. When you don't, when you're trying to cut costs, that's when things become not sustainable. Um, for example, I was looking at water bottles and eco-friendly totes made from recyclable materials and lunchware. Reusable lunchware was a category I really wanted to push because as a trainer, a personal trainer, I also like to teach people how to eat and carry their meals in reusable containers. So that I thought was kind of a niche. But the more research I did, 
time to obtain these products to feature in my store, I realized that, well, they're all made in China. And a lot of them would say, you know, reusable, eco-friendly lunch wear, but it's made from plastics that aren't safe to consume from. Right. So it was really... You came up on a lot of greenwashing yourself. Oh, yeah. Knowing how to navigate it, trying to find products. It was, it was ridiculous. And I realized how the average person would definitely get duped or even feel bad for, you know, um, making a mistake of purchasing something that they think is helping the environment, but it's actually not because it's made in a factory that has to be, it has to be shipped across the world. It's not local and it's a dupe product as well. It's not even claiming, it's not even, it was claimed. So I don't know. It just, it kind of broke my heart a little bit, you know? No doubt. Because <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of items that I came across that were great. Um, but I also realized that if I really wanted to have the inventory, it'd have to be more local, but it always has to come from somewhere. Like e-commerce was really getting more popular. Um, eBay was big at the time. Amazon really wasn't so much. And also I came across, you know, sites from China, Alibaba, um, all these sites that I don't obviously endorse, but that's where it was going. And it really taught me about consumerism and in e-commerce and how a product can be pushed by a simple ad. So there's a lot of deception when it comes to purchasing items. And I've learned so much that even now, when it comes to using services like Etsy or Amazon, you really have to read the description where the item's shipping from, because sometimes that's not always made clear. And you think you're purchasing from, you know, Canada, even Toronto, but the item's actually being shipped out from China. Right. That, that's ridiculous, but it's, it's happening even now. So. so what kind of products were you promoting that would reduce waste and how... Oh. how... How would they reduce waste? So many, so many. Again, lunchwear. I really, I like lunchwear, <laughs> especially when it's cute and compactable and really durable. I can't believe how many, you know, items I've gone through that I think is going to last me a long time. But I really believe that when you purchase items that they should be, you should think about the long term with the real longevity of them. So lunchwear was a huge category. Um, another category was eco-friendly coats, and now you can purchase them from stores. They're way more abundant, but I really didn't think they were 10 years ago. And that doesn't even sound like a long time ago, but no. I know. <laughs> we're in 2020 now, but literally, I did this e-commerce thing with Greenaholic back in 2010, but maybe like even a year before that, 2009, I came across these these bags, and they were made from PET, so polyethylene tetraphylate, I believe that is. Don't quote me. Yeah. In a while. <laughs> but it, apparently it's supposed to be made from recycled plastic bottles. And that's fantastic, especially back in 2010 where I'm just like, you know what? This is going to be the new craze. And these bags were compactable and they stuffed into themselves and they turned into a piece of fruit. So... <laughs> I call them straw, strawberry eco-totes. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, a, I guess, a reseller of them. So as a seller, I would have a supplier and I would buy like not a whole, I buy like a couple hundred at a time. So I would get a discount for buying volume. Mm -hmm. And the problem even arose there with getting proper inventory because in the world of e-commerce, 
you, you look for one item and three different people are selling the same item, but one of them is like the knockoff version of the item and the other is like not even made from the same material. So I purchased like three different orders of these ecotones, strawberries, grapes, and oranges, and they all came like different. Like it's not good quality. But all in all, that was a big product. Yeah, when I found an actual reliable supplier that, you know, had the right material, it was made from recycled plastic bottles. It still was being shipped from, you know, a different country, but buying as much as possible to reduce shipping. And then I resold them. I bought them for honestly, I think two or three bucks a piece. And I resold them for about ten to fifteen dollars. Um, and that's a whole other thing. When I was doing this project, I realized I wanted to try to sell items for a lower price because the the whole concept of going green, people quite often don't do it because they think it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. No, I totally agree. You know, um, I mean, in some regards, and it, it seems like it's either time or money. Absolutely. The part of part of the pollution problem with with single use plastics is is that it's all about convenience. Yes. And because we're so busy, we don't have the time, and um, we don't want to spend all our money either. Yeah. So. Or we make quick decisions that aren't always the best. We feel bad about it, but is feeling bad enough? You know, like trying to do better next time. Like, I, how often have I forgotten my lunch in the fridge? <laughs> and, then I, you know, I made that wonderful meal with all my awesome reusable containers that I love using because they're cute. And, you know, I like inspiring people. Like, look at my reusable lunch. But then I forget it. So then I have to go to Starbucks and buy, like, a protein box for lunch. And then that's plastic, you know, traveling to the Starbucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. All these other footprints that... You don't intend to do. I mean, I I am an anti-consumerist, mm-hmm. um, and I find that even even good products often pushed beyond people's actual needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your takes on on consumerism? Yeah, well, I first of all, I really appreciate that you are because you know to admit that and also to live that way is very very bold against you know I would say society because I think people are taught to consume right from the womb. Um, either knowingly or not, subconsciously, we're all purchasing things that we really don't need, including food products. Food has become a product versus nourishment. For example, drinks. Like, we don't need to drink Pepsi or Coke. Again, I'm not sponsored by them. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, these drinks are pushed as products, as lifestyle enhancers. So, again, we consume them, but we don't need them. So, I think subconsciously sometimes we do it without thinking and that really sucks because the human condition right from the womb we're exposed to advertisements even addictive substances like sugar in these products to make us keep consuming them and these companies can get away with it there's no law saying they can't sell sugar even right. though you know there's been studies showing that it's more addictive apparently than cocaine um, according to brain I don't mapping. know if it's the same in Alberta, but I know that in BC, when I lived there, you weren't allowed to sell sugary products like colas and chocolate bars in yeah. schools. Yeah. So at least they were trying to avoid targeting the kids in that way. That was, well, when I was growing up, small town Alberta, and I also grew up in BC, so I had a bit of two different provinces, but I remember small town Alberta, there was always the power 
the Gatorade machine, the vendor machine. Mm-hmm. There was never, you know, water bottles. It was always selling Coke, Pepsi, juices. And my parents would give me change for the vending machine every day because it was kind of like a treat. So we're also conditioning psychologically our children to enjoy your treat, but not educating them. So again, it's positive I, reinforcement. Yeah. And I always yeah. go back to food when it comes to consumerism, which is kind of ironic because the whole word consume. <laughs> yeah. But if I can talk about fashion for a second, this is something that I've really had to come to terms with. Buying fast fashion. Have you heard of that term? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So fast fashion is a term that describes, honestly, disposable fashion. Anything you can buy seasonally, you know, cheap shirts, cheap pants, things that are in stores for the season. And you purchase them, and usually they're really cheap, and it shows in quality. So they'll fall apart quickly, hence fast fashion. I just need a t-shirt, you know, or a pair of shorts for this event. And you're not really going to, you know, take care of it because it didn't cost you $200 like, like from the Gucci store. It cost you 10 bucks, and it's going to fall apart. But that is also garbage. And my goodness, when it comes to fashion and clothing production, that is one of the most dirty industries out there producing clothing, ink, dyes, um, scraps for material that can't be used because you know you, you cut a piece of material for jeans, you only need the pattern. What about the scraps? Right. Now, thankfully, there's organizations now that actually use those scraps. I think even on Dragon's Den, this group came on and they go to the companies and buy their scraps and make freaking cute kid clothes. So from garbage comes gold. But fast fashion is a big problem when it comes to being materialistic with, you know, teens wanting to boost egos. I don't want to discriminate on children, but that's usually consumerism is targeted to youth because they're given money and they don't really have a lot of obligations yet. So just, you know, spend your money on food, spend your money on clothes. You know, you're going to be cooler if you buy the the latest trend. How do I feel about it? (laughs) I'm guilty of it. Absolutely. And um, I think it's still a process to change, but I'll admit to myself and my friends that, you know, I like to have a lot of clothing. It's just a a serious topic, you know? I can understand everyone wants, but people don't know what that whole concept is. So I think when you know, when you're more aware of how harmful something can be, then you can make a change and a difference about it. You said you have a lot of clothes. Are you much of a shopper yourself? Oh, well, yes. But here's the here's the takeaway. Learning how to have abundance, but still make sure you don't have waste. I have a lot of clothes, but I don't throw a lot away. I'm purchasing it, but I'm also purchasing items in, in a place of mind that they're going to be durable. They're going to last. Every item you purchase is kind of treated with respect. So you don't respect everything. So then <laughs> just purchase things that really make you feel a certain way, but also being just mindful. And I'm not perfect. I feel like if stuff costs more, people would put more value into it emotionally and take better care of it as well. Yes. Yes. So that's where I've I've changed a lot. I stopped buying fast fashion. I still buy fashion. I've changed as in I don't go to those cheap stores anymore. Um, you know, buy our dens, you know, no more garage. And I just try to purchase more, even sustainable fabrics like bamboo, hemp. Now, again, they're, it's more expensive, like a pair of pants. Hemp costs, you know, 90, $90 to $100, but way more sustainable than cotton because hemp takes less water 
and less space to grow. Even the plot that you grow to happen, you can keep regrowing in the same plot over and over. Where certain crops, you have to change plot space. You can't keep reusing that plot because even the plant itself um, consumes too much and destroys the soil. So even your choice of fabric can be changed. And that's what I've done. Um, It's more expensive, yes. More of a conscious consumer. Yeah, yeah. And there's beautiful pieces that are coming out now. Because, again, the whole network of being conscious, it's more expanded. Yeah. The last thing that I purchased, as far as clothing Mm -hmm. goes, was uh, a pair of pants. And I was, like, I was down to, like, my last pair of pants. (laughs) Like, I need more pants. Yeah. Because I don't go shopping very Mm -hmm. often, right? I don't remember the time before that that I bought myself clothes. Yeah. Uh, So... I was in need of something specific and I went to the first place I could find and I bought a pair of pants and Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, they're stretchy. They're comfy. They're only $40. Woo. Yeah. They fell apart within like two months. Mm -hmm. Now I've patched them multiple times (laughs) to keep them going. And I, I have since then discovered a place in town that makes jeans. Yeah. Uh, on 124th Street, and the name escapes me. Awesome. But <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. Um, yeah. But I am, I'm kind of like, yeah, I can't wait for my pants to fall apart so I can go and buy nice ones. <laughs> well, it, it, see, right there, it gives us a sense of joy when it comes to consuming and obtaining things. If we limit ourselves to only obtaining things that spark joy, quoting Kondo, Murray Mer- Kondo. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, the Kondori method. I love it so much. <laughs> Show notes. Yeah. But honestly, even her whole concept is, you know, you don't need it unless it really sparks joy. Right. So then you, you can learn to let go, first of all, purge or recycle for sure, but then not reobtain all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, technology, that is a whole nother consumerism. Like we're every year we have to get a new iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Do we? Like, do we really? I'm telling you from a point of view that... Yes, I've had this green project, but I also used to work in retail of cell phones. Well, my last two phones were both used phones. So I can't believe Wonderful. Like, people just upgrade because they can, even though their phones work perfectly fine. And the way that the cell phones are pumped. Mm-hmm. Straight from the associate's mouth, right out of high school. I got myself a job at the mall. Literally, we launched iPhone to Canada. And there are people lined up around the block for this iPhone. It was the first time coming to Canada. Right from that day, every year forward, the same people are lining up for that new iPhone. It's it's ridiculous, but I noticed that when people were buying technology, I also worked in an electronics store. People come in asking for iPods when you really just wanted an MP3 player, but their, the term iPod was MP3 player. So these companies are so clever. Kind of like Kleenex and tissue. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That is exactly it. You might not have a Kleenex brand tissue, but you'll still ask for a Kleenex. <laughs> you know what? Hammer on the nail. I would find it funny because not to mock the consumer. I mean, honestly, it was always like like some like little grandma coming in. I need to buy an iPod for my son. You know, and it's not <laughs> her fault that that's all she knows what an MP3 player is. Right. But she's pointing at not an Apple product, right. just a device. So language, that really affects our consumerism. It makes us buy. And again, sometimes unintentionally. Technology really, I love it. But I also, it's a, it's a love-hate relationship because there's, there's so much evolution of technology that everything is being outdated 
by the day. Mm-hmm. So that, that it worries me. It does to the point where I've actually invested into a company that patented a technology to to recycle electronic devices and mine gold and silver from those devices. Oh, okay. That's cool. Absolutely. So honestly, I'm surprised that this hasn't exploded yet because that's why I have stocks invested. And the company, they patented this technology to be eco-friendly because currently to extract precious metals from devices, computers, TVs, we're talking all electronics have precious metals. But guess what? Precious metals don't renew themselves. So the amount of gold on the planet, copper, you know, all these precious metals, silver, and we're using them in cell phones that we throw away every year. Mm -hmm. The the business now is we're going to still need those metals and to mine them, like in the environment, to go out there, you know, use equipment and mine iron ore. It's way, it's dirty. Can we say that? It's dirty (laughs) and it destroys the environment. And there's only so much to dig up. If you mine and recycle electronic devices and mine the metal in those devices to to extract that, you can get, you know, 300 ounces from one ton versus 3,000 tons of material. So it's really a good business to get into. Services and companies that really want to make a difference, they don't always know how to get themselves out there. And that's, again, back to what I did with Greenaholic. I had a vision, but I just didn't know how to get it out there. I had to educate myself, but I just decided just not to at that time. Yeah, that takes a lot of time and energy to do that. Yeah, and it, hurt, it sucks because I think as humans, we all really do have the same vibe. Like, we do feel this earth. And we do want to live a long time on this earth and take care of it. But things become different priority. And that's the sad part. So what else do you do in your day-to-day life to reduce waste? Well, I like to eat. (laughs) So (laughs) when it comes to, again, I always talk about food. But I think that's relatable. (laughs) I'm definitely trying to purchase more in bulk Like when it comes to my shopping trips. Mm -hmm. I thought smaller trips would be easier. Um, Again, we're doing... We're doing this show during a time of pandemic, so I'm sure the listeners know that it's been a ride. And bulk is difficult at the moment. Yeah. Because I can't go reuse my reusable containers at bulk farm. I know, and no one wants to touch your bags. Yeah. Right now, I'm really being extra conscious of what I use because of, yes, contamination, but also limiting visits. So that is eco-friendly as itself. That's sustainable. Instead of going every week buying, consuming more items... If you get what you need and you buy it in larger quantity, usually you save on packaging and even less trips with gas. So I've been doing that, just trying to be more conscious of my grocery shops Mm -hmm. and cooking a lot at home. Now, by choice and because of the world situation, um, there's not much to do. And I think humans, we started to really focus on using food as a source of entertainment. (laughs) So, you know, which creates a lot of garbage. My goodness. When you go to a restaurant or even fast food, you're going out for a treat, all those cups and spoons. So not only have I been saving money by not going out, but I'm also really reducing my footprint, which is, it's intentional, but secretly not really. Like, it just, it just kind of, it's all falling together. Yeah. Lives a good life. My favorite going out treat is ice cream cone, because no garbage, no cups, no spoons. Yes, eat that cone. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or making my own frozen treats. But you know what? I'm not going to lie. I'm human, and just like everyone else, I do like to go to an ice cream cone once in a while. And we try our best, 
always learning from every experience, I think, is what we have to do. Yeah. And just have a big heart. And the more people <laughs> who want to, the more the easier it'll become for everybody to do. Yeah. And one thing I'm trying not to do is, even as passionate as I am, I'm not perfect, I make mistakes, but I don't want to green shame someone else. No, you know? I know. Like, it, I try really hard not to, like, I know. wave my finger at people. But sometimes <laughs> I just want to roll my eyes. <laughs> I don't want you to change. Biz, I really think that it's beautiful who you are. And I understand. It's because we're, we're just so passionate. But sometimes, but just not letting people, tr- lightly using the word trigger, but just not letting people get at us when they're not making choices that we would do. Because mm-hmm. that makes us feel like we are greater for making those choices and then that's a negative cycle on its own and and the whole point is that we're in this together yeah oh absolutely and at the same time a joke once in a while as long as it doesn't offend sometimes can really make people (laughs) faint right yeah my my boss (laughs) likes to to pick on me yeah and i'm sure it's always it's always well intended. oh yeah no he's great yeah all right well that's awesome it was really nice chatting with you it, it, it was a trip down memory lane <laughs> it, it is also very inspiring even now to talk about those things because sometimes you, you do things that are great but you don't realize how great they are at the moment and you can always revisit and keep doing great things with those with those feelings so thank you so much for this yeah thanks for joining me and i will see you at the gym next week Absolutely. We're going to crush it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Cool. Bye, Karina. Okay, take care. Thank you all so much for listening. We would love to hear about your visions for spreading eco-friendly love, too. You can find all the ways to reach out to us at becominglesspod.podbean.com, where you can also find all the other episodes, subscribe, or even donate to support waste-free Edmonton's waste reduction efforts. Hope you'll join us next time. Until then, we can all be a little less every day. Bye-bye.